the value that we're getting from win-loss not only helps to support the initiatives, but it also helps to feed real information back to the various teams in the organization to drive around improvements, to focus on best practices, and to really understand how the marketplace is resonating with our messaging and our product. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Blind Spots, a podcast by DoubleCheck Research for product marketers and competitive intelligence professionals who are looking to get a leg up on the competition through win-loss and churn analysis. My name is Jeffrey Palmer, and I'm your host here bringing you episode three of season two. In the last two episodes, we looked at the origins and foundations of a win-loss program, but today we're going to dive into the next phase, executing an effective launch. I'm joined by the wonderfully talented Valerie Bernardo of Seismic, who will help guide us on getting this launch right, because that's going to define the success of the whole journey. Valerie, welcome to the show. Thank you, Jeffrey. Glad to be here. Um, tell me a little bit about some of your history working in win-loss. Um, where where did you come from and, and how did you get into this type of uh, role? So I started in competitive intelligence, market intelligence uh, back in the early 2000s, uh, focusing a lot on data and telling the story that data can unveil. And from there, it grew into uh, a competitive analysis role, being able to look at the marketplace, who the competitors are, and understanding the ways to differentiate the company I was working for from the competitive landscape. And as that process and that segment in the marketplace matured around competitive analysis and what does that mean, it became evident that paying attention to win rates was very important and, and capturing clean data within a CRM was also very important. You really have to get behind the tangibles of that. And the best way to do that is to interview customers who chose you and understand why they chose you. And just as on the other side, customers who didn't choose you and learn from that. It's not about, you know, what did the seller do wrong? It's really looking at the big picture and understanding what could we as a company do to improve the engagement with a prospect to really make sure that they understand all the value of the product, all the value of the partnership with the company and reasons to choose a company like Seismic. Beautiful. One of the things you mentioned there that I thought was was interesting, and I know that our listeners will have uh, an interest in this in particular, you talked about sort of Salesforce records. I'd love to hear a little bit more about that. Firstly, how do you interpret Salesforce data? Um, and I say Salesforce, but of course, any CRM a technology that you use. So when you look in your CRM, what does good data look like to you? And how do you, in an organization, get people to, to reach that standard? I know that a lot of companies struggle with the accuracy and, and detail in their CRM data. Um, tell me a little bit about, about those two things. Great question. I can tell you I've worked at companies where a, a Salesforce or a CRM was a very onerous task for the seller and they really had no interest in going in there. Um, and then I've worked for other companies where the sellers are very diligent and very good at writing notes. 
And uh, when I first came on board with Seismic, one of the areas that I really wanted to focus on was understanding how many times sellers are seeing certain competitors. So the first thing I did was to go into their how their instance of Salesforce and understand how are they capturing today information about competitor names. And oftentimes when you're a prospect and you're looking at companies to evaluate, you look at maybe eight or 10, and that's a big competitive field. So when a seller's asking, oh, who have you spoken with before? They capture all the names, but you know in reality that when you're getting further in the sales cycle, you're not competing against those eight or 10 vendors. The prospect has narrowed the field down. So having two levels of competitive fields, I found has been very helpful. Who is basically everybody looking at? And then when it comes down to making choices, who are the vendors that bubble to the top? And so having uh, two fields, the competitive field, and then the final competition field has really been a level of value. And we've actually implemented gates within our Salesforce instance that a seller has to complete information in order to move to the next stage. That helps in the diligence and the cleanliness of the data, and it helps in reporting back on clean data or you know as clean as humanly possible that was a fantastic answer we went and um, we were chatting before about sort of your your core responsibilities and i see, seem to remember that you have a a research background how has sort of a, a background in research do you think helped you when you're doing a win-loss program when you're running a win-loss program well i think for me the focus of research where I started was in being able to craft surveys and customer satisfaction responses out to customer marketplace, either working with a third party vendor who helped me to craft these uh, customer satisfaction questions or interest willingness to buy surveys that I was conducting and being able to craft the question in a way that motivates a response, especially if we're trying to do a fill in the blank. and an open-ended question has really guided me in the thinking of how to craft win-loss interviews and ask questions in a way that opens up the respondent to, to be able to share their experiences and tell that story. When I started working and, and pulling in research and surveys to, to get data, it was really about making sure that the data was quantifiable and was statistically reliable and making sure that the questions were asked because I wanted to build a story. It wasn't just, would you buy this again? It was, well, why would you buy this again? Was it meeting this level of satisfaction? If you had a choice between product A and product B, why would you choose one over the other? And being able to, to pull out the results of those survey responses that led me into understanding and being able to analyze a competitive landscape, a win rate, and really drive those results into the day-to-day -day work I do. And, and how does the rest of the organization look at, at you and, and your team? How do they understand the, the value both from sort of a strategic scale, but also on a, on a tactical scale? Well, 
One of the efforts that I tried to do with the win-loss program is tie it back to the initiatives that the company itself is driving towards. It's, you know, obviously there's the standard revenue goals that every company is trying to achieve, but it's also ensuring that we're engaging and telling the right stories with our customers and our prospects, that we're delivering on the value and the outcomes that we want to drive and helping the product team understand where interest lies with the customer on certain features or certain flexibility within the product, helping the marketing team understand how is messaging landing? Uh, what are the opinions when somebody is researching across websites of our website versus a competitor's website? And when they landed on that website, what compelling messaging got them to fill out that request for a demo? form. And it's also helping our sellers to be able to understand how engaging they're being, how the buyer is listening and hearing them be an advisor, and how truthful and honest that conversation is from the prospect's perspective. So the value that we're getting from win-loss not only helps to support the initiatives, but it also helps to feed real information back to the various teams in the organization to drive around improvements, to focus on best practices, and to really understand how the marketplace is resonating with our messaging and our product. Very nice. And, and thinking back sort of over your time with Seismic, how has the program evolved with you there? When I first landed at Seismic, the first step was to understand who's making up the landscape. Then once you have that good, clean data and you're getting feedback from your sellers, you're engaging and speaking with them and asking them about their experiences going against those competitors, then you want to drive to the higher details, which is the win-loss. And in order to be able to demonstrate the value of a win-loss program, I contracted with DoubleCheck to do a one-quarter opportunity where we agreed to go out and do 20 interviews, 10 wins and 10 losses, and see what the marketplace told us. So with our recruitment efforts, we were able to deliver on those 20 interviews. And the takeaways from the interviews and being able to answer some hypotheses that we were that that we had established with the the takeaways from the interview really proved to the stakeholders and the executive team at Seismic that win loss had a real value and could really feedback valuable information across the organization that is not just for sellers that's not just for the executive team, that uh, multiple teams across the organization would benefit from what we can learn. And that first quarter, that one quarter of successful win-loss interviews and the data we were able to gain from it, both quantitative, because we run a survey to go along with the interview, and the qualitative data, the verbatims that we pulled from those interviews, really was eye-opening across the organization and made them understand the value and the ability and interest to do more. Um, so since then, we've done a full year of win-loss analysis, and I work closely with my analyst at DoubleCheck to make sure that 
Each quarter, we're looking for new nuggets of information that we're digging into the interviews and understanding, well, are there new trends bubbling up that we need to pay attention to? Because there is the concern that if we hear the same information over and over, maybe we're not moving the needle. But if we're listening to the interviews and taking away the tangible verbatims and quantitative results on the surveys, and making the appropriate changes, the next quarter win-loss interviews should have a different result and should drive to new initiatives that we can support. Very interesting. So you started with the 20 um, before moving into uh, sort of a full program. Um, and you talked about some of the areas that you are, were looking to improve. And you also mentioned that you had some hypotheses about some of these areas. When you were thinking about some of those hypotheses, where do those come from? Was it you or were there other folks who were involved with coming up with those ideas? And, and how often were they confirmed versus rejected? Well, in the beginning, uh, the, the first hypotheses came from the key stakeholders, those who felt that the value of driving a win-loss program um, would benefit the organization. Uh, so it was myself, it was my manager, and it was the CEO of Seismic. Uh, who really thought there should be value coming out of the win-loss program. And uh, after our first 20 interviews and being able to point to the tangibles that answered some of the basic questions that we're asking about uh, the progress of sales cycles and some of the questions we were asking ourselves uh, against the competitors that we, we run into and being able to put a statistical answer behind that and say, look, These trends and the data that we're getting back definitely demonstrates that that we need to invest more here. We need to make changes here. And being able to report back to that uh, reinforced our needs. And so every quarter, we look at the results that we had from the previous quarter, and we either double down on the information and continue to measure it, or we make modifications to the survey and the interview guide to capture and address any new hypotheses that we may have come up with. Interesting. I think a lot of organizations who are thinking about win-loss are really starting with a sales question of why are we losing deals? Is that sort of similar to to where you folks uh, have started? Where we actually started was more in how can we win more? (laughs) It wasn't about just focusing on why are we losing? It was what can we gain from best practices of our sellers in order to drive a higher win rate? We really wanted to understand what best practices were occurring and be able to double down on that and demonstrate as we're growing and onboarding new sellers, being able to point them in the right direction from the start, because the learning we can get from our win-loss analysis isn't just about improving our existing sales team and their skills. It's also about helping onboard new sellers and having them learn about best practices and what works well amongst our buying audience. Very cool. 
One of the things you mentioned earlier was the stakeholders that you had in the program who were sort of already perhaps invested or at least interested in what was going to come out of the program. Um, I'm sure our listeners are very interested in this particular topic. Getting people engaged and keeping them engaged is, of course, one of the challenges of a program. When you think about the ways that you've been able to get those stakeholders involved and keep them involved, what do you think is maybe perhaps the, the critical areas to focus on to keep that sort of cycle going? I do think that um, making sure that the way the interview guide is structured to pull out the answers during the interview process that will cover a, as much of a broad base as possible. Information, as I mentioned earlier, that I can feed back to the product team. Information that I can feed back to the sales and and sales engineering team so that they understand how did the demo resonate with the buyer? Uh, what could have been done to improve the demo? Uh, when it comes to talking with the customer success team about expectations on onboarding a new customer and implementing their platform for them and the feedback that we get. You know, when we first started, I had a narrow scope of stakeholders focused primarily on that the sales team and on the product team. And since then, I've grown the stakeholders to include the customer success team, to include the sales engineering team, and to really um, make sure that we're trying to gather input and bits of information that we can build a story around so that the company as a whole can drive initiatives forward based on what we learn from these win-loss. Sometimes when you talk about doing win-loss, and your sales organization hears about it, they're worried that we're coming after them. We want to show them all the errors that they're making. And that is not what a win-loss program is about. A win-loss program isn't about showing the seller that they didn't engage properly or they didn't present the right content at the right time. A win-loss program is about everything that a company should be doing to drive higher win rates, to bring more customers on board. It really should benefit all the teams that I mentioned that I engage with. It's not solely about the sales team. And I think that, yes, maybe our sales team gains the highest number uh, amount of benefit from the win-loss information. They have the greatest investment in there. But I also get very strong feedback from positive feedback from our product team on the information I'm sharing back with them and from our solution engineering team, our sales engineering team, uh, and the information I feed back to them. So I, and as I mentioned earlier, our customer success team. So I really think that anybody who wants to take on a win-loss program, that they should really be looking at the bigger picture and making sure that their stakeholders from the key areas of their organization who are included in the discussions and included in the outcomes that are trying to drive. You, you asked me at the beginning how I got this program off the ground. And in the early days, I put together a whole document based on this is what we want to do. Here are the outcomes that we're looking to gain. Here are the questions that we want to answer. Here's what we want to come back to the product team with. Here's what we want to come back to the customer success team with. Here's what we want to come back to the sales leaders with. Here's what the executive team should be hearing. And 
based on that criteria and getting buy-in from the stakeholders who reviewed the document with me, we all agreed together that this was the initiative we wanted to drive forward. And I use that as my foundation each quarter to make sure that I'm continuing to deliver value in the win-loss program. Wow, that's that's really cool. That's fascinating. I don't know if a lot of companies are are doing it quite that way. I love I love that idea. Sort of, it's a, a briefing document of, of sorts, right? I'd love to hear a little bit more about that. It was a, a couple of pages long. It was very much like like a brief, you know, covering you know the objectives, the anticipated outcomes, the hypotheses that we wanted to prove or disprove, and the takeaways that we expected to deliver on for each of the teams. It wasn't intended to be a book. (laughs) It was really intended to be something that was directional, that was a guide for us all to understand and, and get onto the same page. Now, I myself referenced that document and I use it as a tool, um, as I mentioned, each quarter when I'm working with my uh, research analyst at DoubleCheck to make sure that the interview guide is staying on target and working towards our initiatives. And then when I present our quarterly results back to all the key stakeholders, I do remind them that, you know, here are the initiatives we're driving. Here are the answers that we're getting from the win-loss interviews. I think having it written down, having it sort of outlined like that with the hypotheses, with the expected benefits for the different departments um, would, be, would be hugely valuable. What a, what a cool idea. So you've briefed the organization, you've come up with your research instruments, you know the questions you want to ask those folks. How do you go about figuring out what you want to focus your program on in, in the near future. Are you going to go wide and try and interview everybody, or are you trying to take a, a narrow focus uh, in sort of a, a periodic approach? How do you think about figuring out what the right targets for your program are? So I do try to balance it across the various products that we sell. Part of my scope is to track win rates. I'm constantly paying attention to what's going on in Salesforce. I run reports and I gather the accounts that we've won as as well as the accounts that have been lost that quarter. And I try to aggregate all the data, what's seen in Salesforce, uh, you know, the sellers share with the team, with the go-to-market team when they've won a piece of business. So I calibrate against that. And then I look across this list that I've built of all the wins and losses. And I'll go in. And again, I have to say that I'm in an enviable position that we have sellers who make very good notes within Salesforce. I know not all folks have that with their sales team, but based on the notes, I will prioritize who we want to reach out to. I really want to talk to those buyers or those who chose to go to a different vendor to understand what were the hurdles and how did we answer those hurdles? How did we as a sales team represent um, and answer the questions that were happening throughout the sales cycles? Those very challenging um, sales cycles tend to have the greatest amount of information from them. Now, I've seen obviously that, you know, win-loss is not very easy to do. Uh, You have to have a a deep enough 
pool of candidates to reach out to. Even customers that you've won, they don't necessarily have time for a 20 minute phone interview and, and to give that feedback. You know, they're worried about standing up the product they just bought. So getting those win interviews do tend to be easier than the loss interviews, but it's not a shoe in that you're going to get that win interview. The losses, yes, it's more challenging to get loss interviews, but there's a way of introducing the idea through your email outreach to that prospect about the value that we're going to draw back from it. We really want to know how can we improve? How could we have done better? What could we have done differently to maybe give you a clearer, better perspective of how we're trying to help you deliver on the outcomes that your company is trying to achieve? Very cool. And and you talked a little bit about wanting to hear from the losses, wanting to hear from the wins. I'd love to hear a little bit about why, for you at Seismic, why are the wins so important uh, compared to, to those losses? When you talk to a customer who has signed on to be a customer and made that purchase, what you can learn from the wins is, yes, I bought your product, and now you need to prove that what I bought is there and is going to deliver on the outcomes that I wanted. It's also an opportunity to hear where else they're planning on heading with their business. Is there further opportunity with this customer to grow, to, you know, as often people refer to, land and expand? What can we learn from their experience on choosing Seismic that we want to reinforce and continue to message around that will help them? So you you have the, you know, what I like to call the skeptical win, where yes, they signed on, they like seismic, but seismic needs to make sure that they carry on with their part of the bargain and truly deliver on what was sold. And I think that there are those great customers that are there to challenge you and to make sure that you're keeping up your end of the bargain and helping us to continue to excel in our space. Interesting. And you also mentioned, I think I heard you say that, you know, losses can be hard to get sometimes. When you're reaching out to potential targets for a win-loss program, what for you do you think makes an effective strategy for getting people to say yes? So the first thing that I do is once I've collected my pool of candidates, I get our sales team involved. I ask them if they have time within their schedules, could they please send out that first warm introductory email? Could you please let this person that you engage with, whether it's a win or a loss, know that we would like to interview them and have them take a quick survey. And that warm introduction really does help us get a better response rate. If that doesn't work, or if the seller is just too busy, then I, I work with double check and they initiate the, the emails. There is an incentive for the uh, wins and losses. Uh, it's either a gift card for them, or if they can't accept a gift card, a charitable donation. Um, and that does help with the response rate for these interviews. And I think it's just the understanding and the crafting of the messaging out to these that we really want to learn. 
that we really value their feedback and that, you know, providing that feedback to us will really help us to, to move or change or go in a different direction because we see from multiple interviews that something's not working and it needs to be course corrected. Very nice. So thinking about your program, you've got some great targets that you've identified. You've got a focus for your program. You've done a, you've briefed the organization about what you're trying to get out of it and begun getting some of those interviews completed and having reports about those interviews get published. Once you get those reports, tell me a little bit about what happens to them. Who Who is on that distribution list? How does that data get synthesized and distributed throughout the organization? Great question. So once the report is completed and I'm ready to present it, I reach out to the key stakeholders and ask for time to present to their work, to their teams. I've now built up enough momentum, which is great, that I'm expected to present quarterly to our key stakeholders. So whether it's the executive team, whether it's our product leadership team, whether it's our sales leaders, you know, they include me in their agendas now on a quarterly basis so that I make sure that they're seeing the latest and greatest. Sometimes it's a little bit busier, maybe we're close to year end and obviously the sales team may not have time. So I make the presentation available in an area that they can easily view it and reach out to me with questions. Um, so I, I publish it for them, they can see, they can come back with questions. And then I also share each of the individual uh, interview results with the seller um, who led that sales cycle. Each seller wants to know what can they themselves learn from the takeaways of that interview. And I think it's very important that a seller and the sales leader is engaged in this process uh, so that they understand it's a collaboration. It's not anybody trying to point out faults. It's about learning and using it as an area for improvement or seeing in the interview, I think a seller likes to read in an interview what they did well, which we pull out in the interviews as well. And the seller can say, that went really well. I'm going to continue to do this because it works. And sellers, they want to hear that. Um, even when we lose a piece of business, the interviewer is able to share with us information back about what was done well. And we can continue to reinforce that for the seller and other members of the team. Interesting. Um, we talked a little bit about the, the data going and being used by sort of marketing folks and, and product folks. Uh, tell me a little bit about sort of how that happens at the tactical level. Is it just through that quarterly review when you present it all to everybody or do you bucket it up and sort of send it to the team like here's your highlights for product here's the highlights for for marketing or do you sort of just give them everything and tell them and sort of let them trawl through it as as they like for those who like to troll through it i give them the access for others who would prefer that they understand the story and what what information and what does it mean what what are my takeaways how am i supposed to use this that's where if questions arise, I let them know, let me put together a presentation based on the findings here and I can come and deliver a focused narrative to your team. So, and, and I do that 
with the summary presentation. There's a lot of information in there, but I take it and I customize it for each team. Um, and then the executive team gets everything because they cover all the departments. So they want to hear and see it all. And then over the time in the year that I've been doing this, I've been able to help provide data and feedback into the product roadmap and how the uh, product team can be visualizing and planning going forward. Um, I've been able to participate in presentations that the executive team may give at an all hands around the improvements that we're making, what's been resonating in the marketplace. So there are takeaways and subsets of the summary that I've been able to use going along uh, to, to feed back into the product marketing team around messaging, to feed back into um, the go-to-market team around messaging or best practices and making sure that there's visibility to that so that there's a lot of return on our investment. Very cool. Well, my last question here, if you were to restart your win-loss program over again, what is something that you would do differently? I think that if I was to start it over again, I would spend more time with the seller in interviewing them about a potential candidate for the win-loss programs. I think that another way to gather information, because not 100% of our sellers putting deep notes into Salesforce, there might be nuggets of information in there that I can use in the interview process. So I, I engage the sellers, but I think that I could, I could take a different approach and do more engagement uh, with our sales team prior to kicking off the program. That's the end of episode three. And thank you all for listening. I'm sure like I did, you found Valerie's expertise incredibly insightful, which is what you'd expect from somebody who working at an organization like Seismic. Who else is gonna know what sales needs better than them? If you liked this content and more win-loss best practices, please say so on your favorite social media channels and link people to this episode so they can hear it too. Subscribe, of course, to get notified about our next episode where I'm going to be talking to Nathan Teplow, Director of Competitive Intelligence of Salsify, about perhaps one of the most challenging aspects of win-loss, affecting change in the organization. Unless you're a miracle worker who finds changing sales and marketing and product strategies an easy thing to do, you're not going to want to miss this one. Thank you all for listening. I'm Jeffrey Palmer, and this was Blind Spots. Blind Spots.